Hey, this is Laura. And Steven. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we talk about the things that are on our mind. Today, we're talking about board games. The complex, the simple, the nerdy. I'm a huge fan of Euro games, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. So let's get into it. Hey, Steven. Hola, Mrs. Laura. ¿Cómo estás? You know, to be perfectly honest, I'm a little wrecked from last night. A little wrecked, a little ratchet. Not, not that, not just ratchet. a little wrecked. Just wrecked. Yeah, those board game nights, they yeah. they get wild. Yeah, that, that Sherlock game, it is a doozy on the brain, and it's so fun. But also, I do get pretty tired the next day after it. I love solving those mysteries, though. Yeah. Are, are you guys big Euro gamers? Do you like the complex board games that take hours to play and maybe you get through one game, but it's it's like emotionally very satisfying? Or are you like, nah, board games not for me. I just like to sit in solemn silence. Yeah, I, I hang out with a, a heavily nerdy contingent and I'm very happy to do so. But that means that most hangout nights are at least a little bit board game related, oh, like yeah. board game adjacent. Maybe there's some, sometimes there's a and d campaign. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's just a really light game of Catan. Right. Which is, I think, the least complex Euro game you can throw at someone. Oh, yeah. that That's like checkers in Euro game. It's like we have a couple resources. We got wheat. We got sheep. We got a sheep emporium, maybe, depending on who you're playing with. And that's what you got. You got a couple resources, but you don't have like these complex, like cascading rule sets that you do with some of these more intense Euro games. Don't get me wrong. I love them all. But sometimes I don't have the time to learn, to spend two hours learning a board game. I just want to jump in and play something simple like Catan. Sometimes oh. I do want to play a big, long game. You know, as you're talking, I just realized why I like Euro games so oh, much. They turn every engagement slash game night slash friendly fun time into a classroom. They do. You have to learn something. You have to learn a whole new world and the rules around a world. Yeah. And, and those are environments in which I'm really comfortable. If we're, if we're learning things, I'm like, okay, I feel safe. Right? Right? Maybe it's the complexity for me. I do enjoy a bit of complexity. As you've always pointed out, you're like, all right, Steve, you might be overcomplicating things, putting the cart before the horse, which I tend to do. I just really like horses. So I like to put the, I like to make sure they have a lot of carts in front of them. Imagine if they were cheap, Stephen. I know, right? <laughs> then Requestrian, the, the horse summoning app could be a reality. Dude, I would love to make Requestrian, the horse summoning Uber-like app where you can just order a horse on demand. I'd love to make that a reality. Dude, that would be such a yeah. whimsical world. So every once in a while, I look at, at video footage from the 1900s, you know, like those famous 1908, 1903 street cinema. Basically, someone took a camera in 1906 and just went down a street in San Francisco. Yeah. And this is one of the most famous pieces of film history there is. But what's really cool about it is that you see streets before all of the, the street rules came into, into being. So you've got people walking, you have got carts with horses, you've got regular mm -hmm. horse-drawn cabs, you have Ford, Ford cars and other like early automobiles all sharing space. Goblins riding rockets through the streets. It was chaos, pandemic. Yeah. And like, I know, objectively that this was a very dangerous place like the reason the rules came up is because you know all of these all of these different modes of transportation together were occasionally hitting each other but i want to live in a world where a car and a horse can share the road 
Like, that seems adorable to me. All those people who live in, like, the Northeast with Amish people who are still using horse-based travel, your Amish, your Mennonites, that's so charming to me. Right? Maybe that's why you like Fifth Element so much, because it has a similar every, like, you've got, it's 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 that time frame where everyone was on the road and all kinds of different modes of transportation were being used, but in the future, right? Because you've got, you've got things flying through the air, you've got, like, like mobile places that are delivering food. You've got people who are fighting other people like flying through the air. You have multiple traffic lanes in the sky. You have three-dimensional sky lanes, but there aren't really any lanes. They're just people kind of all over the place. And it's chaotic, but it's like beautiful. You know, it's a, it's a true city experience. Oh yeah, Cha chaotic but beautiful is probably what I would describe my ideal aesthetic as. Yeah. You think in like a hundred years that the skies in the fifth element world, like everyone gets really regulated and it just gets kind of boring. And like you have these like really rigid lanes. It feels like it feels like there was a huge boom of like technical innovations where people could just suddenly fly in cars. But I feel like someone's going to organize it eventually in that world. Maybe, maybe. I, I actually don't. I find myself skeptical about the presence of flying cars ever. Mm, really? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me as a mode of transportation. Like... I, I see the future as either, if there are flying objects, as individual sort of like bike-like levels of, of transportation. Like a hover bike. A hover like bike a hover bike. Uh, whatever it is, it's a single person mm. unit of transport or mass transit. Just like resource-wise, my brain thinks that probably mass transit would be the thing or like small scale transit so like you know how bikes aren't as fast as as cars i i think that like a single unit transport of a flying transportation vehicle would be probable but just getting our regular cars up in the air doesn't seem like the technological reality of the future to me i don't know come back in 50 years i guess well to be honest cars are cars are fine but they aren't big enough to host like a ton of people to host like 50 to 100 people and they're not like agile enough for a single person to just zip around so i think that's fair i think cars uh in their capacity will evolve and maybe they'll be phased out eventually where it's just like giant spaceships where you have 200 people that are flying about or like one messenger person on like a motorbike or like a hover bike i think that might be where it goes like specialization right like because Cause right, because uh, there's always... a weird in between place. Cars are a weird in between place between giant mass transportation and like single zippy get from point A to point B hover bike stuff. Sir, that is one of the great American inventions, and how dare you besmirch <laughs> it on this my podcast? <laughs> no, but I'm thinking that there are always couriers, as you suggested. Like couriers have existed since the ancient world, and they used to be just running. Like in in ancient Greece and Rome. One of the most ubiquitous professions was courier, and one of the most ubiquitous ubiquitous forms of couriership was literal running. So, like, you would hire a fast boy to get your message from here to there very quickly. Dude, that's the dream. It is the dream, mm -hmm. right? For a runner, that are you as a runner extremely excited by that concept? I absolutely am. Back in college, I innovated. Innovated. I, I came up with this silly idea of uh, I was doing parkour and I was running a lot. I came up with the silly idea of the parkourier, where you basically you have a package and you deliver it 
through executing feats of parkour throughout your city. So you're just jumping, you're flipping, you're getting place, you're getting things to places, you're getting a workout, and they're getting it way quicker than they expected to because you're traversing your terrain from point A to point B in the most efficient way possible. Oh yeah. You're like, not stuck in traffic, you're not waiting for buses, you're not parking, you're literally hopping over things. Well, I mean, in the ancient world you would be compensated right? for increased speed, so rock on. Right? Yeah. Okay, so I think that Couriers will always need small scale transportation vehicles, whether it's like their feet, a skateboard of bicycle messengers today or motorized bicycle messengers in like New York. They would get something. Something would be there. But I don't feel like in a massive city, there would be a lot of cars, mm. fifth, fifth element style. It feels like mass transit would be the, the preferred mode of uh, transporting stuff there in mm. there i'm about to talk about the star wars prequels strap in <laughs> the the thing about the attack of the clones in the star wars prequels is they had coruscant right and it's that gigantic city where everything's whipping around and they're all in like little pods i was like that's beautiful i love that and maybe that's the iteration that could be possible but it still doesn't make sense for a city for there to be a bunch of single person transportation vehicles that's just not how I've ever seen cities work. Here's the thing. You've got mass, like in our current world, we have mass transportation, we have mass transit, we have trains, we have planes, we have underground trains, subways, and we have single family cars and we have little courier bikes and motorcycles and scooters and all that. And I think as long as we have, you know, the standard familial unit, which is like, a couple adults and like a couple kids, whether they're their parents or their guardians or whatever, uh, and like the dog that go on these family excursions, I think you're always going to have a place for the car, whether it's a flying version or not. Like the mass transit stuff doesn't necessarily work for families that are going on a trip because the mass transit routes, the, the, big, uh, the big ships don't necessarily get you to everywhere you need to get to, unless we had a ton of no, mass 100%. transit routes. 100%. Do you remember Minority Report? Absolutely. It's like burned into several parts of my brain. Okay. I think my memory of what, what I'm about to describe is from Minority Report. I know that it's a futuristic Tom Cruise vehicle. Which could be any of them, but it, also It's either Minority, Minority Report, Report or the one he did with Emily Blunt that they changed the name of. Live, die, repeat, yeah. something like that. Not yeah. important. What is important is that within the futuristic city everything was kind of done through this sort of sort of walking around mass transit, whatever. Mm -hmm. But at one point he had to go out into the country. And for that, he had a regular car. Right. That's and what that's what about. I think the, the, I mean, that's kind of the dichotomy that exists today. Like if you live in New York, you, you probably don't have a car. You don't need one. But if you had to drive up to Albany, you'd have to like get your friend with a car. Oh yeah. And you don't want to do that kind of a, a drive on like a motorcycle or a scooter. Like that's a, you're not taking anything anywhere. Like those, those small, those like mini, mini modes of transport are for zipping around in a small space. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. And like those, like a long two hour drive on a motorcycle. Oh my gosh. Especially if it's raining, you're going to be, you're going to be having a terrible time. Dude, your nerves would be so shot. Oh my gosh. You would, you would just be like, ah, I bet ah. for a lot of people though, that's very exciting. They're like, ah, oh, the thrill, the thrill of being me and the wind and the bugs and the potential for death. Oh, dude. Right there. Anyway, so 
public transportation versus like private transportation versus I, I'm carrier just, bikes. I'm just trying to figure out how we got we got so far afield from board games. I don't know. Like, this <laughs> this divergence is fine. <laughs> Regardless, I do love board games and I love all types of them. Dude, I love getting mm-hmm. together with friends to play board games. Mm-hmm. I, I just like having a, a theme to getting together with friends. I don't know how to sit and hang out. I think in the early 20s, like there was a sort of party atmosphere where you all collect together at a place and it doesn't really matter what's in the place because someone brought enough alcohol and there are couches and stuff and like that's enough all of that is enough for like 22 year old engagement but as an adult i i get really antsy if there's not like a a thing to focus on i was at a a brunch hangout at a friend's house a couple of days ago and we were all just kind of circling the kitchen at first. So like one one girl was like washing things. The host was like cooking things. And I was like organizing things on the counter because like as an adult, you can't do nothing. Like your brain fights you. And then like once that was, once everyone had eaten, we moved over to like observe two people doing each other's nails. <laughs> and And that just became like, the the circle the hearth that we all circled around and that was the activity that was the activity that's adulthood i guess like something's happening okay let's let's go watch this and talk about it what do you think would have happened if there wasn't like the the nails doing you think people would have just circled the kitchen forever until until it was cleaned there was also a dog oh sorry go ahead oh no just just waxing blah 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 there was a dog yeah there was a dog who was who was causing a ruckus and so the other activity was trying to prevent the dog from interrupting the the nail doing, which I guess, you know, is perfect drama. You know what? That's you don't need a game in that case when you have like a small furry antagonist. And here's the thing. In your 20s, are not a lot of your friends and maybe even yourself small furry potential antagonists? You know, the humans do provide a great deal more drama mm-hmm. when they are not employed for years in corporate environments where they just crush all of the drama out of you oh yeah they're like that drama is not corporate approved i I gotta tell you i definitely was party to some drama and caused a little bit of drama in my early to mid and sometimes (laughs) late 20s sorry guys but yeah yeah, i actually remember um not about drama i i remember watching the the corporate environment take the life out of people like i think drama is caused by liveliness a reactivity to your environment, personal feelings and like personal objectives. And so when I was working in corporate tech, I came in very, very young and I was all sprightly and lovely for like a year and a half. And then slowly I became grayer. And I remember watching like more 24 and 25 year olds roll in and it would take like six months to a year for them to go from like, hey guys, hi, woo, like that little glow of youthfulness about them to like the sort of gray i come here every day (laughs) and it is reliably unpleasant (laughs) and now i am non-reactive because that benefits me professionally oh no yeah sometimes i'll I'll hang out in groups with people who have less corporatized job environments and they they make so many jokes like specifically non-corporate approved jokes and I just sit there not reacting and they'll be like oh sorry I didn't mean to offend you and I'm like no I'm not offended in any way I just 
I'm have had things crushed out of me. <laughs> I'm conditioned to not respond to this joke accordingly. Yes. You know, it, HR says this joke is inappropriate, so I will not be viewed approving dude, of it. Dude, I've been in, I've been working in and out of corporate environments for the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel the impulse to go, hmm, I'm not sure about this joke, but I, I fight it every chance I get. I go, you know what? No, this is a social environment. There is no HR here. Uh, what's Im- it's important that we're not being super rude to the people around us and like being like not super offensive. But like beyond that, like if people want to make fart jokes or like bathroom joke, like that's fine. If people want to just be silly and just say like stupid stuff, like that's that that actually makes a more interesting environment. You know, that's a, that's yeah, a, that's a funner comfortable. They're like, oh, this isn't too formal. That's but, a funner hangout, you know? Yeah. But but that's the the fun of institutionalized environments. Because at first the institutional environment is around you, but eventually it is within you as well. Right. You you just absorb it and now you are the institution exacting institutional standards on those around you. And you're like, oh, good, I'm the enemy now. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I, I feel that, but also I fight it every day. I refuse to let my, like, corporate experience just live in me. Like, it, it's a part of me, but it, it lives in a separate little box. It lives out there, it hangs out, and I bring, I still bring my sprightly nature into the world. I try to keep my inner, my inner child alive is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Your you inner know? child is like, heck HR. <laughs> right? Go to heck HR, I don't care. This is fine. Kick sand, gets a baseball bat, <laughs> plays out in the yard. Well, that's why it's important to have different types of friends too. Like people who like do the nine to five. They're stable. They're reliable. You know, they, they have. They're imposing corporate standards on you and your, your outing. And some of the most organized like vacations I've been on, I've been with people from, from like corporate environments. Dude, oh my gosh, yes. I didn't have to lift a finger. It was like everything is checked off and it's good to go. You know, if you but, want things done, you get a corporate yeah, in there. But it's also important to have people who are creative and are single and are and are silly because it just reminds you of like the whole span of human experience. And like that, that's what I want to do. I don't want to just be like a silly sprightly elf or like a gray, like reliable, organized corporate cog. I want to be a person. And I think that's worth I think that's. You want your friendship, friendships to be a melting pot. Exactly. So I can continue to be a melting pot because yeah. the people around us influence who we are and how we act. Yeah. Say no yeah. to homogeny. Right. That said, I think I think I have to, I think it might be a good time for us yeah, to- Yeah, you've got a meeting. I do. I do. Got to gotta get, to, right. my, get yeah. to my chat. Thanks for hanging with us, guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Have a good weekend Yay. slash, you know, whatever winter you're having. Okay. <laughs> Catch you on the next lunch break. Catch you on the next lunch break. Bye. Bye. This has been Steven. And Laura. Thanks for tuning into Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all the things on our mind. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and jump into the conversation in our polls and Q&As. We would love to hear from you. Catch you next lunch break.